Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 140, episode 3 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially, off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Fox News, fuck Rush Limbaugh, fuck Buck Sexton, fuck J.K. Rowling, fuck Sean Hannity, uh, fuck, who else we talk, Ben Shapiro. Let's go with that today. It's Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. Happy July, everyone. My name's Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I'm Mr. Bright Thighs. I think I've done that already, but maybe not. Uh, And I'm thrilled to be joined by, once again, my special guest co-host, the scam goddess herself, Miss Lacey Mosley. Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Lacey Mosley, a.k.a. Scamming in the morning, scamming in the evening, scam supper time. When robbery's on a bagel, you can have robbery anytime. That makes wow. sense. <laughs> when rye bread's on a bagel, you can have robbery. Rye robbery. <laughs> Got it. On a metaphorical bagel. <laughs> Got it. Okay. Got That's it. the pizza rolls theme song. So. <laughs> <laughs> For uh, all you pizza roll heads out there who love that, that commercial so much. Mm. That's a bagel bites theme song, right? Yeah, yeah. that makes oh, more yeah, sense. Oh yeah, it is because because I just said bagel pizzas on a bagel, One right? Pizzas on a bagel, yeah. you can have pizza yeah. anytime. Yeah, all that shit burns your mouth, bro. Yeah, it's the fourth law of thermodynamics, though. When pizzas on a bagel, you can have pizza anytime. Yeah, uh, that's just like the food you gave to like unruly boys to get them to shut up while you had yeah. your afternoon wine as a, a mom. Yeah, that I gave two unruly boys. Not that was crammed into my mouth by my wife. Uh, Lacey, who was that voice? There was a voice that joined us. Oh, it's such uh, an iconic voice. I mean, Mount Zeitmore. Mount Zeitmore. We got a we got a the half of Mount Zeitmore up here on this podcast. He is the hilarious, the talented Mr. Billy Wayne Davis. Hey, you guys. I couldn't, I'm sorry, I couldn't stay quiet. I was like, that's not pizza rolls. That is. <laughs> hey, you yeah, were doing. You to correct me. Yeah. You were doing what all I of just, our listeners I was were protecting going to do you. otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I was protecting you from, Jumped in front from the internet that. is what I was yeah. doing. I scores of people who be in my mentions and DMs like, hey, I know you're dealing with a lot right now, but I just wanted to let you know you completely fucked uh, <laughs> the bagels. <laughs> a lot of misplaced anger right now that I'm trying to absorb. Yeah. Fuck fuck pizza rolls. I mean, we can all agree on that. That shit does burn your mouth real bad. That's like it's like that almost like it was you... designed to destroy your taste buds. It's like uh, hot Captain Crunch. It's like, you know, we all know Captain <laughs> Crunch just tears shreds your roof and then yeah. I feel like they do the same thing. Like you never you can never eat it at room temp. It's like a hot pocket. You're always like Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, it's, it's, all, it's not edible at room yeah. temperature. Oh, oh. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that the pizza sauce congeals? I it's yeah. the preservatives they put in that it is the only way it is edible is if it also hurts you. <laughs> I wonder if there is an ideal way to make like if you put pizza uh rolls in like a deep fryer or something, or maybe not deep fry, I'm sure those would be delicious, but like in an air fryer or something that like you gourmands out there, you let us know what is the way to uh, prepare a pizza roll that doesn't make it like it seems like it is always inherently at 
three different temperatures that are designed to just destroy the inside of your face. I think if you put a pizza roll in a deep fryer, a county fair just happens around you. <laughs> I, that's where my southern brain went. I was like, we fry Coca-Cola, ice cream, bubble gum. So And it's all good. I hate to report. <laughs> the first time I had a fried Twinkie, I was like, Man, look, this what a stupid everyone's fat is this is the best thing I've ever had in my whole life. <laughs> what what is deep fried Coca-Cola like? Is it just the f- like basically the fried outsides with like a Coca-Cola flavor? What what is it? You got it. You got it on the head pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think they freeze the Coke and then they fry it. And then when you bite into it, you're just getting like, you know, Coca-Cola flavor and fried. It's mm. the same rednecks that work at NASA are putting this stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> Those NASA rednecks. Shout out to them. Uh, Billy Wayne, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a few of the things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Elijah McClain story, just the worst, so sad. Uh, every time you look at even a video of him, it's uh, hard not to cry. Uh, and yet, I feel like it needs to be told over and over again. Uh, it's getting even more infuriating, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, we are going to talk about the new Trump books that are coming out, not by him. Uh, we aren't getting a sequel to The Art of the Deal, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, the video he shared of the McCloskeys in St. Louis, um, just that, that couple, that image of them standing on their lawn with their, with their, uh, guns is just, I mean, it is our new American Gothic. It's, it's the greatest. Uh, we're going to talk about Splash Mountain. We, we talked last week or a couple weeks ago about how, uh, they were getting or doing a complete overhaul of it to remove the Song of the South uh, from the themes surrounding that ride, which I didn't even know was the theme of that ride. Uh, but now they're redesigning it around The Princess and the Frog. So we're going to talk about the movie The Princess and the Frog. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But first, Billy Wayne, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Oh, here's a, I had to look up some pokemon stuff uh some pokemon stuff yeah that's i mean that's as much as i can because my son's really into it okay and into pokemon yeah like is that like did you make him into it is that still on tv i thought ash ketchum and them are they on syndicate (laughs) i mean there's he was watching one the other night that was from like 1999 so there's always new ones. It's the racket's pretty impressive what they do, and it's cool. It's just like little animals they make up, and it's just right for kids' imagination and adults. Ima- I mean, it's a really smart racket, but yeah. it's all nonsense too. So I can't follow a lot of it, and it's all based around, based loosely around like let's make a children's show around uh, the idea of like dog and cockfighting essentially is like the overall theme of, I, of the I didn't want to. Yeah, you're exactly right. Is it's making these little things that you have in your pocket fight your little pets. Right. Yeah. Um, which, which, which like you're not said, supposed like, to do. Like well, I, I've done it a couple of times with my, uh, you know, rest in peace, Finney, but you know, he was a, he was a prize uh, fighting King Charles Cavalier, 
uh, he his special move was when he would get into a fight, he would immediately roll over, uh, even if the uh, other animal was uh, a squirrel, he would roll over. Uh, so that was my fighting dogs. Uh, so he my, was just a loser. He yeah, was just, he, <laughs> he was just, just like a basketball player who like <laughs> tries to get the charge. <laughs> That's right. He took the charge. My and, leg. And dog was like, fighting. No one was near you. <laughs> he wasn't even taking the like his feet were moving. He wasn't even taking the charge like a tough guy. He was like moving back where it was like that's a block, dude. You're just kind of getting in people's way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's... exactly. He was like just make it quick. Uh, was his overall strategy on yeah. any confrontation? Just kill me quickly. Which um, is that's a pretty here's that's the not a dumb... here's the softest part. Yeah, that's not a dumb fighting strategy. It'd be like if someone comes at you, you just vomit immediately. <laughs> that's right. That's why yeah. we, uh, as a species, shit ourselves and throw up on ourselves is to make ourselves taste bad for when we're being eaten. That's uh, that's wise. Also, there's something very fun about getting to a fight and just immediately getting on the ground yourself yeah. and like giving the other person no satisfaction. <laughs> just, like I want to see that happen slowly. Like like the fight starts and you like, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, we gonna fight. We gonna fight. Look, I'm just getting started for you. I'm gonna kick it off. I'm gonna get the water boiling. I'm gonna be down here on the ground. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. That was kind of my strategy when I was growing up. I was uh, like, I really loved the Rocky movies, but I more identified with the early rounds when he was getting the shit kicked out of him. And so <laughs> yeah. I would, like, I I got beat up a lot when I was a kid, and uh, I was really good at it. Like, I would make it look dramatic when the bully kicked me in the chest. Like, I would fly backwards. Uh, that may be why they they kept picking on you because they're like this, <laughs> yeah, this looks dude, awesome when yeah, we go after. He Jack. really sells it. That <laughs> makes us look strong. <laughs> yes. I remember I one time in college, a defensive lineman wanted to fight me at a bar, and I just whispered in his ear, "You can tell everyone you destroyed me tomorrow, <laughs> but I'm going to leave." And it confused him so much that I wasn't trying to like bow up to him because i was like yeah. well immediately you're gonna win just you can't, i can't beat you <laughs> right right and yeah he looked so confused he's like uh just get the fuck out of here i was like all right and the girl i was with she was like what do you say to him i was like i deeply confused him is what i did let's go <laughs> See, yeah i told him what was gonna happen and yes. he immediately decided he didn't want any of that that is exactly that's not a lie <laughs> I um I'm kind of the opposite. Like I'm short, so I don't know if that just always made me like have like a little Napoleonic complex or something. But like I wanted people to believe that I could fight, and I've never been in a physical altercation in my life unless mm. it was like playing with my cousins. So like I remember this one girl was like harassing me in college, and like it was really really bad. She was like mad. mad. I like stole a boyfriend. Long story short. Anyway, mm -hmm. um <laughs> this is like we're children. I was like twenty. No, yeah, I was 19, I think. And um, she just kept harassing me. And so I like, this sounds insane. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm saying this on podcast. <laughs> um, I was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to show up to her house. Because this is college. We all live like on the right. block. So right. I was like, I'm going to show up to this bitch's house so she can know that if she keeps fucking with me, I'm going to put these hands on her. And like, I could convince people that I'm an actor. Right. I can convince people I could fight, but like I never had to fight nobody. Right. And one of my friends was like, you know what you should do? You should put Vaseline on your face. And I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you showed up with Vaseline on your face? Yeah. Like you had a clothes? cut man in your corner? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Um, 
Yeah, I just, mine was not really a strategy. Mine was just, uh, I had no control over my emotions. I was a very sensitive little boy. Uh, Billy Wayne, what is something that you think is underrated? Unity. Unity. Okay. Yes. You and I, think we, I think we got numbers. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Where are we going, Billy? <laughs> Which numbers? Who? I think as poor people, we have numbers if we would quit letting them divide us. Yeah. I think that's the real, that's what, that's the war where we're actually fighting here. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I think we've seen more of it in the, in the protests. Uh, you know, we're seeing a more diverse coalition, uh, especially in the younger generations. Yep. Uh, I'm not saying we, these other problems don't exist. Right. But I think if we move forward, and we take care of this poor versus rich thing, the other problems will be easier to deal with if we're all taken care of on a base level. Right. Yeah, it's just hard to get us back to that. I think uh, yeah. Jack and I were talking about that the other day of just how, well, for a second, it felt like we were going to get like poor people from across the aisle to be like, oh, this is a scam. Like everything's fucked. And then the whole mask thing started to happen. And then it just drew a line in the sand again of like people just being willfully ignorant, but also realizing that they're not necessarily just being ignorant. They're railing against like just want some control over something in their lives, but I don't know how we get them back because they're acting crazy. Well, it's, yeah, I, if you really listen to all sides, they're saying a lot of the same things with these tiny little, and not tiny sometimes, but huge problems, but the fundamentals are usually the same. Or like, like you said, we don't feel in control of our lives anymore and no one's helping us. And it's like every Everyone that's got it's the same thing they're saying. And we're like, oh, we gotta, like you said, I don't know what they did to to move that thing again, but we were very close. We've been a very close a couple of times. Yeah, and I the think we just need media, to keep saying it too, because that's what the media is, does is so so good at just immediately taking things and putting it back in the terms that we all understand of, uh, you know. Or that division. they understand of division, yeah, and yeah. of it not being a, you know, America being, you know, we were talking about how a lot of the face mask stuff uh, goes back to the founding of the country and the founding fathers being petulant about, like, no taxation on the wars that you're paying for for us. Uh, and, you know, I, I also think the idea that there's no class uh, no class system in America is like our most deeply held uh, bullshit myth. Yes. Is, yeah. It's is the that same. Everybody can just come on up. It's the same as, okay, I was having this conversation with uh, Robert Evans the other day. It's, I'm reading this book about the SAS, the, you know, the British fighting force. And it's written by a British, by two British guys. And the way that Great Britain talks about what they were doing militarily they were very open about all the things they were doing. We've never been open about that, about our empire building and stuff. It's always like, we're going to go make things better and do it. I'm like, no, nah, we're going to get that oil. And Britain mm -hmm. was like, yo, we're just going to try to control that island because we want it. Right. And I think psychologically, that's why it's, 
it doesn't fuck with the British people as hard as it does with our people because we've been lying to our soldiers and our poor people about why we're doing all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, like colonizer was a term that uh, black people kind of took back and weaponized because we were like, yeah, you stole everything and then you continue to lie about it. Like you're grave robbers, you stole people, you tricked people. Manifest destiny is the biggest scam phrase I've ever heard in my entire fucking life. And I love it because I'm like, can I manifest <laughs> destiny today? Like, I just want to show up to somebody's house and be like, hey, manifest destiny. Run me them keys. This is my house now. <laughs> right. God told me. Right. So it's but until we stop rebranding every fucked thing that we've done and that's led to the systems that we're in right now, we're never going to be able to get those people. And that's exactly what, you know, the government knows and relies on. That's why when the statues fall, it's important for them to make a big deal of it because they have to be able to tell all these folks that they've lied to that look at all these black and brown people who are destroying your history when it's like the to the victor when the spoils and they just lied about everything. Yeah. Uh, and I mean you in the UK, we knew that they were colonizers. Not to say that they're better off than we are. I mean, they are in some ways, but I don't know. I don't know how you stop, you wake up and just get everybody to realize They're that. not confused in Great Britain about who they are and where their place is in the system. That's, right. what's, that's what is confusing in America. That comes with all this division is because no one knows their true place because it's all lied to and it's all sand underneath everyone except for... A very select few. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think that our system, I mean, I, I, I do definitely believe that our system was designed to hold black and brown people down. But I don't think it was designed to keep everyone poor the way it is now. I think that's been hijacked in this century or the last century. Yeah. I think there's something to the, because there's, you know, like with Great Britain, the like the system is lying to them, but everybody knows it's lying to them. But in America, we've been taught to lie to ourselves. And I think there's something about that dissonance that is really unhealthy. You know, we, there's uh, a study that came out late last year that was all about how poor, uh, you know, non-college educated white people are seeing a decline in their uh, average life expectancy. And it's like the first demographic cohort to go in the opposite direction in a century. And I think there's something to like this media complex that, uh, you know, Fox News and uh, just the modern conservative uh, Republican movement has built up that like that just isn't healthy it's not a sustainable way to exist where you kind of you know hate yourself like they're not stupid like that's the that's the lie at the center of it it's just they're being lied to and they're lying to themselves and that's really dangerous i want to bring it back to uh you know a bug's life as we always do uh the the ur text uh, a bug's life because uh they they talk about how like the grasshoppers are holding everyone down until the ants realize that a lot of ants united can really fuck the grasshoppers up. So, yep. Uh, watch, watch a bug's life. It's our greatest Marxist text. Uh, what is something Billy Wayne that you think is overrated? Overrated. Uh, <laughs> I think the value of investment is overrated at this point. The value of investment. Explain what you mean. 
I think somewhere along the line, uh, you know, there's like invest in your future, and and that's how and that's how we're all taught to build wealth and money now is is through investment, and not through actual hard work. I mean, they'll tell you, like, hard work's how you make money and stuff, but then if you examine it, you're like, no, how you make money is to have money already. That's right. the only way to make money. Yeah. So I think that whole thing, that that's an overrated system because there's you're just, no one's working anymore, and then there's no product, so we're all grifters. Absolutely. That That's a 100%, like, a huge underlying problem is like i mean i i've talked before about how a lot of the smartest people uh, i grew up with or went to college with went into just managing other people's investments in a spreadsheet and then like carving off a small percentage of those investments to make their own money and then now they're investing that money and that's that's the work that's being done with our smartest like our brain power as a country uh, is that. And like, you know, it under the new deal under earlier in the 20th century, like when you America also was, just described apps, by the way, right? Yeah. Apps. Exactly. Just the same thing, but funneling our time, like finding a way to waste people's well, and time. Just a and, little bit of everybody's money that yeah. uses it. Just a little bit. That's the same. Just carve it off. Um. Yeah. I think, what always keeps me frustrated about that too is that I've seen over this pandemic and I've contributed to so many GoFundMe, so many bailout funds, so much crowdfunding when the government should be doing these things. And instead we have to keep passing the same 50 bucks to everybody. Yeah. Like to me that we have set up this, this whole system where it's like, you take money out of my check involuntarily. And if I don't give you the money that I, I got to guess and be like, I guess is how much I owe you. And if I guess wrong, I could possibly <laughs> go to jail. You know, right. it's like, it's such a gaslighting process. And then after all that, you can't get your government to help you if you need them. You got to get on Facebook and tell a damn sob story. You know what I mean? And then even now there's so many of them that, you know, that they start to drown each each other out and it's like why are we paying for this stuff when our government should right like why are we paying taxes so that because we can uh, the rich people are taking all that money all they're of paying, it they're not taking all that of it. that and money we we're putting in they're them. like we'll take that and we'll also use it to build stadiums and shit like that right and we don't yeah. realize proportionally how much of it they're just straight up stealing. And so it seems like oh 150 million dollars can sound like a lot going to an underprivileged area in LA until you've really billion dollars and that's a drop in the bucket. And it's like, but that's what's happening. And we elect politicians and then they get comfortable and they start robbing us too. So who is there really helping us? And power corrupts. So it's like, how do you, how do you fix this? And yeah. like, I don't know. I just don't have as much effigy or confidence in the government. I don't think I ever have because I'm black. So I always knew this shit was fucked. But, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm like, I don't know how we get all the poor people to realize like we're almost at the point we're past the point honestly where it's like Marie Antoinette like we should all be storming the Bastille like it should I I kind of miss those olden times when if your leader was fucking you y'all just showed up with the pitchforks lit you know what I mean angry mob style right. well I mean we're trying to do that now and I think right. that's the path that we're we're about to take like the t the cool thing about what you're talking about is like the path there is a blueprint to all the workers combining in the government helping us out. We did that 
in in the New Deal and the CCC build a lot of communities. So there is right. a blueprint of how to do it. We just also involve non-white people this time. Right. <laughs> right. That's we all we have to do. Systematically. Yes. Yeah. We have a system. We just involve fucking everybody this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the blueprint is there. We know it works. Other countries are pulling it off. We know it works. We're recording this at a time when the Kentucky uh, Democratic primary senator results are finally rolling in, and one of the candidates who seems to be speaking about what we're talking about, Charles Booker, is, you know, he was with 95%, had 100,000 more votes, and then... All of a sudden, the New York Times is like, and he lost. Uh, yeah, he lost. So, uh, I don't Cash know. Cash rules everything around me. And voter suppression. They like there were there was one county that had over six hundred thousand people, mostly people of color, and they had one polling place. Yep. Louisville. That was in yeah. Louisville, fucking Kentucky, the yeah. biggest city in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, I'm truly baffled. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about your myth. And we're back. And finally, Billy, we like to ask our guests, what is a myth? What's something people think is true, uh, you know to be false, or vice versa? That hard work alone will rise you above your position. Mm. That is very much a myth. Uh, it takes more than hard work. It takes intelligence. It takes opportunity. And it takes chance. Yeah, and that's that. I mean, that, those are the facts. That, those are always the facts. It's like, yeah, you have to work hard, but then you also have to work smart, and then you have to you have to take advantage of opportunities and recognize those opportunities. Like, it's not just that myth of like, if you are sweating at the end of the day, then right. you because because that's what all those guys that are born with money think too. Because at the end of the day, they're tired, too. So they work right. just as hard as everybody else. Yeah. Hard work is like the one thing that you alone can control, whereas like intelligence, uh, good breaks, uh, luck, like those are things that... So I understand the focus, but then we have gone and edited all the other stuff out. Like yes. the system uh, that makes it like... 20 times more likely for somebody in one neighborhood to succeed than somebody in another. Uh, and that that's the first thing that happens when somebody's, uh, you know, success story gets written, they immediately edit out all the people who helped them along the way. And it becomes the great person narrative, like their personal triumph over adversity. Nobody believed in them. When it's it like, was no, just haters. It was just yeah. haters the whole way. Haters motivated them. Uh, and it's, yeah, that's very powerful. Uh, America loves that shit. And it's also just completely, completely untrue. It's bullshit. Yeah. yeah. And I if, wonder, you wanna, if you don't think it's bullshit, look at sports. That was the first place it was clear to me when I played. When I went from high school sports to college sports being like, I'm working way harder than some of these guys, and it never will matter. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Just right. talent. Yeah. Talent. Love. Yeah. 
but also I wonder if people can't let go of this narrative because then their lives seem a bit more bleak like if you you really feel you alone can't change your station in life without a, a credible amount of help, a good amount of luck, and you know a lot of fortune. Then it kind of becomes like, wow, the place that I was born in life financially, I can't seem to increase my station, and that's supposed to be the American dream, which is why I think people love billionaires so much. Is the poor people who they're killing because they're like, yeah, but if I had all that money, it's like, but you don't, and you won't. That's what we're right. trying to get you to realize. It's like you'd have a better chance at it if we got them to pay their fair share. But right now you have no chance and you're just like, I don't know, jacking it to the fact that maybe one day you're <laughs> going to wake up sitting on a bunch of gold coins. Well, yeah. And I I mean, to add to that point, I think a lot of it is psychologically. We don't like a lot of people don't even want to be billionaires. What they want is not to worry about if they get sick, they're going to be poor and destitute for generations because they got sick. Now their family's in debt for yep. 200,000. I think that they just want to be able to be like, Oh, I've got a good job at this factory or whatever it is, blue collar. And I make a decent wage. I get to go to the lake on the weekends. And I'm, I mean, that was what Detroit was until they fleeced it. Right. We had yeah. all that. We had it all. It was, I mean, in Detroit, wasn't just white people. I mean, that's why it's destitute now because all the white people left and let all the black people suffer because right. that system allowed that. I just think it's like, it's so fucked that, that we put all that, that, that mental success is like by money. I think that's another thing where they hijacked the church too. Right. When they, I mean, when the they, church has always kind of been look. Churches are scams. Every now and then you get a nah, good one. Nah, I don't. Every now I disagree though. One. I think a lot of churches are being run by con artists. And now, and, and, yes. Yeah, I, I, okay, come on now. You go back, back even in like the 18th century. Like the church would be in cahoots with the government. Like there's always been. Tur- I'm you not know, talking scam about system. I'm talking churches. about community building. That's no, what now, like that's, what that's our different. mamas talk about when they go to church. They're not talking about that. They're talking about they go see their friends. That's right. their community. Now, that was hijacked by a bigger system that started preaching to them about gays and abortion for political gain. For a long time, that was not their, their whole scam was just like, I live a little better life than my flock. That was their whole scam. <laughs> right. Right. And, I, right. and now it's, you know, mega churches. And it's not that's yeah. not to say that you can't have a big church or you can't be rich in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that once, you know, you start swiping your credit card at the altar, a thing, uh, uh, things complicated. Yeah. Wait, that's a thing? <laughs> yeah. Like, well, uh. like when you do, um, I don't want to call it the specific church, but there's a big mega church in Dallas where like, yeah, when you do tithing, like, which makes sense, like, it's, you know, it's more efficient or whatever. But yeah, the credit card swiper comes down the aisle. I mean, yeah, that does make sense. That's and we prefer you amazing. have the one that you can just tap it. It just feeds everything <laughs> up. <laughs> now it it's like more tasteful and from your phone. And so you put your card info in your phone and then you just do it through the phone. But I remember distinctly as a kid seeing a swiper. <laughs> like, I need a giving app for my shows. Yeah, you do. Yeah, that's yeah. his name. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> his name. under his eye. All right, guys, let's uh, let's get into some stories. 
I do want to talk about the Elijah McClain story. Uh, this is one that we've brought up and been like, I, I can't even like look at the videos. They make me cry. There's a video where he walks in and people at his job are having a surprise party for him. And he's just such, uh, he's like so clearly moved by the fact that these people are having history's most half-assed surprise party for him. It's like two people and a cake. And he's just like, I don't know. It's You cry when you watch it and, and know what happens to him. You see the police body cam footage of them running up on him. He's holding his hands out in fear uh, and sort of instinctual defensiveness and just like, oh, no, no, I'm, I'm what, what's happening? They put him in a chokehold that is designed to deprive your brain of oxygen until you pass out. Uh, then the paramedics injected him with ketamine uh, when they arrived and he died on the way to the hospital. You know, a combination of all the ways that institutional racism dehumanizes black human beings. They didn't see a kind, gentle human being, uh, which is what you get from just like watching two seconds of a video of him. If they had just stopped to hear a single word he was saying, uh, but they somehow saw a threat. Uh, the paramedics didn't treat his body like a human's body. They shot it full of an unsafe amount of tranquilizers, which is you know, the medical industrial complex we're realizing is, I mean, a lot of people aren't just realizing it, but it's becoming more uh, evident to mainstream culture that there is a huge institutional racism problem in medicine. Yeah. Why did they tranquilize? I don't understand that because he I, was already restrained, correct? Yeah. Uh, the same reason that, you know, these white folks do anything that they do. The cruelty is the point. Also, at the time that they were, I believe that department was experimenting with using ketamine as a tranquilizer, which is so bizarre to me that you think you can run experiments on people that you found on the fucking street. But I mean, that's the history of black folks when it comes to medicine. You know, yeah. like we've always Tuskegee. been experienced. Yeah, Tuskegee. Hell, they're trying to do it with fucking COVID. Yeah. Like, hey, black people, y'all first. No, no. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Henrietta Lacks, steal our DNA, use it for fucking Zentry. <laughs> Like, right. it's so it's just really disgusting. And I'm just like, you, I don't know if there's any humanity left in a lot of these white folks. And it's so, so disappointing to see that there's just because I mean, if you if we all are traumatized from slavery, there has to be some kind of trauma as well on the white side of like we, you know, grew up with uh, cruel watching cruel figures put their foot on the necks of other people. And that was normalized for so long i mean people were having barbecues around hanging black bodies like so you can't tell me that kind of psychological trauma hasn't been passed down with these racist white folks as well and at this point it's just you see the videos nobody cares brianna taylor got murdered in her home no one has a good excuse for that her killers are still running free and black women rarely get justice and it's so fucking disgusting yeah um but the with the elijah mclean thing uh people staged a kind of a beautiful protest. He used to play the violin for uh, cats in an animal shelter uh, to help them sleep at night uh, just because he's like literally the most gentle human being to ever exist. And so people staged a protest where they were playing violin in the park uh, to honor his memory. And these, the police just roll in like stormtroopers start grabbing, hitting people while people are like, you know, playing violin saying, no, no. 
And now we learned in the past few days that three officers uh, have been suspended from that same police force uh, because they were reenacting the chokehold on the memorial people had set up where Elijah McClain was murdered by the police. And I don't know. We have a new show on our network with Baritunde Thurston called We're Having a Moment where he talks uh, to an activist and photographer who was at the early protests in Minneapolis and talking about the protests functioning as sort of memorials for, you know, the hundreds of black men and women and children who are needlessly murdered by the police, like Mike Brown's mother and Eric Garner's, uh, one of his parents are at the protests. And, uh, you know, I, I've seen people kind of, like a small movement starting to kind of turn a lot of these protests into a memorial for Elijah McClain. And I think that's, I don't know. I think that needs to, like, I think that's a good strategy because there's just no way to look at this story without realizing, you know, what we're talking about, what just how, how stark it is, like how, like that is, just as cartoonishly evil as like Bull Connor, as like the shit that we were seeing in the 60s that I think a lot of uh, white people had convinced themselves doesn't exist anymore. Um, I, I, I'm just hoping that like something can come out of that story because it's, it's just fucking unbelievable. Yeah, there are no words. There are really yeah. no words right now for me. Um, yeah. The... There's no defense. No. Yeah. It, it seems like the only instances where we're seeing any kind of justice have been when things were on fire. <laughs> yeah. And, and peaceful protests, I, you know, news isn't covering them anymore because the cops are no longer, for the most part, out there inciting violence, which obviously that's why this Elijah story brought that back into the mainstream is because they showed up like goddamn stormtroopers when folks were just playing violins in the park and being sad. Um, so, what a terrible move, I think, too. Just... Oh, yeah. Nonstop. They just can't help themselves. It's like my friend uh, Mamadou has a joke about that where he was like, we're like, please, guys, no more police brutality. And they were like, oh, you you don't want police brutalities? We'll smoke a whole pack of police brutalities. Like, we're like, <laughs> like we were like, please stop. And they were like, oh, we we're going to actually do more. Like, right. Like, no, that's not. Yeah. I think my thing is like. But the white liberal thing to me was very clear when I moved to Seattle, Washington, from the South was that I thought I was going to this, this fucking liberal oasis where I could really do some cool stuff. And what Mm. I found out when I got there is that, that yes, they are liberal as hell. If you have (laughs) $250,000, if you, if you, if you have that ante in, you can be in this liberal oasis where they don't care what you look like, what, you who you fuck where you come from anything as long as you can play this game that they're playing but that's the way they see it they do not understand poor people and they mm. i don't know how to make them i mean they don't understand black people either you know, that's what i know like... no, they just see black people <laughs> as poor people that's the thing yeah. that's the thing in seattle they kept calling the black neighborhood the ghetto when i moved there and i was like there is no ghetto in seattle that's where black people live. That's a nice neighborhood, you pieces of shit. 
Right. Oh, yeah. And I've had so many well-meaning, you know, liberal white folks uh, try to talk to me about childhood. And they'll be like, yeah, well, you know, we were a kid and y'all doing the dozens and, you know, you <sighs> you get you getting quarter waters. And I was like, I didn't grow up poor. Like, no shade. <laughs> no shade. But how you just go assume because I'm black? They're like, you know how it is when you scratching and surviving. Are you quoting good times to me? <laughs> Sir. <laughs> But they have the same racist issues. It's just they're more micro and not micro because they're still harmful, but it's like little shit that they're yeah. doing every day and fucking ruining your psyche. You know what I mean? You get a job. They're like, ah, that's good for you. Cause you know, white, white comedians out here with white men, we ain't getting no jobs. It's like, no, the room is there's, there's nine other white men. And, and, and then there's me like, you know, like, and that's the kind of thing you get on the left. So it's like, we've been just fucked all around. <laughs> oh, it's your point of like, how do we rally up, you know, everyone who's being marginalized by society? It's just, I don't know. I'm still, I would love to do it, but it just seems like the cruelty one is the point for a lot of these people. And two, like people would just rather have someone to look down on than be able to be successful with. Yes. I a hundred percent agree. I think that's a problem is that they need to feel better than someone. Yeah. And they're also not, terribly educated people so if they can look at one group of people that looks different and has less than them there they can be like well i'm not them where they don't understand like yo other poor people aren't holding you back that's not how that works right that's the fundamental thing i think it's an education thing and i just keep preaching like fundamentally if we take care of all poor people the whole system it's okay look at it as a plant or a house right if your foundation is fucked the whole thing is fucked if the roots are fucked the whole thing is fucked there might be a one really cool part of it but the whole thing's gonna come down and that's and i i think a lot of it also goes back to white liberals and uh how they have treated um that rural marginalized white community as well with yes. just complete disdain and you know dehumanizing or treating them as stupid and not engaging with it and with them as as human beings that has allowed that community to then be prey to forces like you know the fox news and the uh donald trump's like i i do think a lot of it goes back to like a lot of the shit that they claim about white liberals in the mainstream media is absolutely 100 percent true um and you know that's that allows uh the the sort of dividing of of uh you know communities who don't who are being marginalized uh and it's you know, well, I, and it speaks to a problem the left has. I think the biggest problem the left has is there is a communication issue between the classes on the left. Absolutely. Is that the, the upper class is constantly policing the lower class about language and how they speak and their jokes and things like that where they don't understand that you don't understand blue-collar people communicate different. Mm. Like me having a job in corporate America was totally different than me being a server or in back of the house at a restaurant. And I made 
more money being a server. <laughs> right. So yeah. it it's that's an issue that the left needs to talk about too. Now the right, we need to accept that they don't give a fuck about being hypocrites. They think right. that's funny when we call them that. They don't give a shit. They just want a response to whatever we have to say at them. That's all it is. Most of them at this point, most Trumpers, if we're being honest, there's about 30% of our country that are pure assholes. Doesn't matter. Color, creed, sex, gender. We just got 30% motherfuckers. And all they want is a response to make you mad. That's their whole life. We've got to stop arguing with them. That's all they want. It's an abusive relationship. It's like the cops where we're like, hey... Like peacefully, we're like, "Hey, you guys are being you're little much," and their response is like, "We're a little much. Fuck you." Like, I'll show you a that's little much. Yeah. Kind of what we're talking about. So I'll show you right a now. lot much. You just did it. <laughs> that's that's it. That's yeah. But you're right. It's not. It's not enough for some people. They're like, it doesn't matter how many George Floyd's or Breonna Taylor there are like they're never because like they want the cops to keep other you know they want the cops to keep everybody well the brown people down um because that's the whole point is that for them to protect property and to keep the white areas white and they're doing a great job at that you know what i mean they're not policing their own neighborhoods they're no, not they're not no that's <laughs> another huge problem you need to yeah. live in that community yeah no so. one went to shoot andy griffith because he lived in that community and he kept that community cool and he didn't right. have to wear a gun Barney, we need less Barneys up there is what we need. Mm. All right, guys, let's take uh, one more break and we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, And during the break, as my microphone was falling off the... uh, shitty plastic table that I have it attached to because it's like literally tearing through it. Like it's made of paper. We were talking about how scary it is that Trump is kind of doing all of this based on instinct. And, you know, there are people around him who are trying to exploit it, but you know, he's, he's hard to pin down uh, and he doesn't want, anybody to have too much success from him so he like kind of torpedoes like the the bannons but it's scary how dumb he is but how effective what he's doing like he's still in this even though he keeps stepping on his own dick like every other day if that it's in this i think this metaphor has been made it is pro wrestling what he's really good at is he he gets that emotional side of ever like that's his base his base is not intellectual at all it is 30 percent pure emotional human being right that are they're angry and they've been taught that black people these other poor people have kept them down and they're rightfully angry is the confusing part i think that people miss right is that they're also been held that they're poor their their healthcare system sucks. They don't have jobs either, but they they're being told and force fed that it's these other poor people that right. are fucking up their dream. And when they're right to be angry at the liberals and the mainstream media too. I think uh, they're just 
they focus most of their rage at someone that's know, a different I have a, yeah, a bit a about that on my second record is like that's it's easy because we all have like negativity inside of us. So right. dumb so dumb people just label that as like, oh, well your skin's different. That's why I don't feel good. And they've right. been taught that. I mean, you that's the reason It's been why, reinforced if yeah, it hasn't been taught. Yeah. It's been taught, yeah. it's been taught in school, it's been reinforced in media. That's the reason blackface was such a huge deal to us is because it was a tool that was used by white folks to demonize black people and it spread like wildfire throughout the culture and you know reaffirmed these hateful you know things that's why the stereotype of like black people love watermelon that comes from a lot of freed slaves made a business made a living selling watermelon and they started making money and you know then white folks saw that and they're like wait a minute negroes are making money they're getting success somehow we have to turn this into a negative so that you know poor because they got jealous insecurity it's insecurity is what it is it's it's like we don't want y'all to have nothing or if you have something you got to have less than me yeah yeah that's insecurity it's deep deep insecurity so just briefly on the subject of trump two quick things uh one he shared this video of the mccloskeys i i just have a feeling that the picture of those two standing on their porch in front of their McMansion with uh, automatic and semi-automatic weapons, it, like in, in their like you know country club, where uh, I I have a feeling that's going to be in history books just because it so perfectly encapsulates like the sort of white fragility and impotent and confused dissonant rage that's happening uh that i think is even hard to make well i think sense it's of. It, to me if you really look at that if you examine those pictures and those images what it signifies more than anything else <laughs> is i'm trying to think of the, the right way to word it it's that The idea that peaceful people are going to come take your stuff. They're not afraid of their stuff getting taken, even though that's what it looks like. It's that they know systematic change is coming. Mm-hmm. If you see them pointing the way they're waving those, and they're not holding the guns correctly because they're not trained to shoot no, those guns. They woman- don't know how to use those guns Either of them. Her wrist was so limp with that gun. Her fingers on the trigger. (laughs) Her fingers on the fucking trigger. She could be holding it like Rambo holding an M60. He's holding an M16 like it's an M60 and he's Rambo. But that's, (laughs) if you really watch them, they're not, those black people and those people protesting are just walking by being like, all right, just. These there's a lot over Keep here. Keep going, guys. Keep They're like, going. stay this on is, the street. Stay on the street. Just, <laughs> Jesus Christ, look at these. And it's just, they're scared. They're like, why are you guys organized? Why are you in my... It's, it's like, you're yep. supposed to be in downtown St. Louis or East St. Louis. West St. Louis is our part. What are y'all doing? That's oh, yeah, we're bringing it to the rich that, neighborhoods. We're no longer... You're supposed to fuck up Ferguson, not that... No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's what's changed. happening. That's the fear in their eyes. It's not that, oh, because they would love on some level if they went into their homes and fucked up some antiques because they've got that shit so over-insured, it would be 
they'd make money on that. Yeah, they're begging for, they would love for something like that to happen. Did you guys see a photo of inside of the house? Yeah, no. that's what I'm talking about. It's insane. It's uh, a museum. It looks like a house, gaudy museum. It looks museum. like a museum. It, it like in a scary way. They have yes. these marble steps. They have these like you know like old school kind of like uh who's the guy who painted on the ceiling first? Uh, Michelangelo. Like, Chapel. Michael yeah, they have like Sistine Chapel esque like paintings on their ceiling. It's the ugliest <laughs> shit I've ever seen. Morgan Murphy life. said on Twitter it looked like the. Uh, the part of the parking garage at the Americana is what their <laughs> inside of their house looks like. like it that's did. Like the, on. Yeah, no, when she said it, I was like, holy shit, that's exact. But then you start looking, that's when people are like, look at all these rich people's art. Their taste is terrible. I'm like, no, it's not. All that is money laundering. All that stuff is money laundering. All right. that is a scam. So it's all overinsured and they've got, it's all overpriced and they can move tons of money to another rich person by just selling them this Voss from the 16th century. That's how they do all that. It's so for them to be like, Oh, we're protecting our property. Now you're protecting a system. That's what you motherfuckers are protecting. And you're scared because you know, it's changing. Also, they just didn't seem that confident with the way that they were holding their guns. Like, I feel like if the crowd had just decided to jump onto the sidewalk and run up on them, I don't know if they would have been able to shoot anybody in time. She would have <laughs> shot him in the head on accident. <laughs> she was brandishing that weapon, just like limpest wrist, finger on the trigger, just waving it around. She could have accidentally shot anybody at any moment. Somebody had just head faked at them. I feel like she would have dropped her gun and he would have just started firing it wildly in the air. Yeah. Um, yeah. The kickback just blows him into the grass. Like. Yeah. Briefly, that's another example of him kind of co-signing white supremacist violence uh, in line with his, you know, Tulsa speech. And then the old guy yelling white power from a golf cart. Now he's retweeting this video of these people brandishing uh firearms that peaceful protesters. i forget who said it someone tweeted he's like they will those two that couple will speak at the republican national convention absolutely and i was like oh damn it you're so right <laughs> fuck they're probably getting so much press right now so many people reaching out who are like we, we need a story we need to talk like i'm sure that they're gonna become the darlings of i just hope he wears party. chaps and he comes yeah. out and he just shoots in like yosemite sam when he comes out <laughs> I mean, do you agree that there was like something sexual about like how they like I felt like they had like some like after they went inside, they just went to town on each other? Oh, uh, they haven't been that turned on towards uh, yeah. each other in, in 30, decades. yeah, 30, 40 years. They've not had like that spark. Night. Yeah, um, I mean, people said the same thing about Derek Shove. Because the whole time he has his foot on George Floyd's neck, he's got his hands in his pockets. And we're like, what, oh are you, what is happening here? What, you, what is this? Um, yeah, there's a thrill there. I'm, I'm sure that's the most thrilling thing that's happened in quite some time. It's so weird that we just have allowed Donald Trump to just tweet whatever he wants. At this point, he can tweet anything. Literally. <laughs> anything. Yeah. It really, and it's not startling. It's like we're fatigued. We're so fatigued. Yeah. Uh, well, we fi- know it means nothing or something. That's the that's yeah. the thing. And I think it's here's the thing. If it didn't make Twitter a ton of fucking money, he'd been gone a long time ago. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the truth of that. Yeah. He'd be on a, what's it called? Parler uh, or whatever. Parlay. Parlay. Yeah. Parlay. Did they give it a French name? Yeah, that's what it's, it's apparently a French pronunciation. Somebody was See, making fun of Ted shows... Cruz for calling it Parlor. I was like, yeah, that's what it's called, right? Isn't it? Am I wrong? That just uh, goes to show they mean nothing they ever say about anything. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, there's two new Trump books coming that are worth keeping an eye on. One was just uh, held back by, uh, it's one of his relatives who's just like airing the dirty laundry of the Trump family. And How much more laundry is there? I know, apparently. I mean, when you look at what their practices are as a family, it's wild. Um and so maybe this will be like a more detailed, more entertaining version of that. But like this was all there when you looked at, uh, you know, the reporting on their taxes and like his dad's taxes and, you know, when he was gifted uh, yeah, tens of millions of dollars as a baby. And then, uh, you know, they just basically laundered it by, you know, treating people like shit who uh, lived in low income housing. Um, and then, but the other book that's coming out is uh, Bernstein uh, from Woodward and Bernstein has a book coming out where he got access to the transcripts of Trump's calls with foreign leaders. Uh, and they're apparently very uh, entertaining. And Oh, if well, I'm sure they're entertaining until you move back and then yeah. realize who he's talking to and saying this stuff to, and you're like, this is terrifying. Yeah, very, he's apparently uniformly just so kind and uh, personable and friendly to uh, the authoritarian leaders, uh, and then is like openly bullying and demeaning to uh, the Australian president and, or prime minister, whatever they have down there. Anyways, those we'll we'll keep an eye on those. Those should be interesting. And finally, I want to talk about the Princess and the Frog. Uh, Splash Mountain is going to be redesigned around that movie. It's a movie that was released right before Avatar. I hadn't realized that, but uh, apparently, it got swallowed by that news cycle, and you know, just passive disinterest from the media. Uh, bad marketing plan by Disney. Just ambient racism of our country, but they're hoping that this revives interest in The Princess and the Frog. It's the first Disney movie to star a black princess. Yeah, but in that Disney movie, she was a frog for most of it. That's the other thing. She's a <laughs> frog was shady for as hell. two-thirds of the movie. Yeah, They're like, we can't have people just looking at a black princess that long. They will get upset. Uh, we'll make a, a frog for most of it. <laughs> like, it's crazy. So I'm wondering what this exhibit's going to look like. Is it going to just be a lot of Anika Nani Rose's character as a frog? Because that ain't cute. Well, I know. it's the, Yeah, that's so funny. It's like their thought was like, we'll do the reveal two-thirds. So we've already they've already invested their time and money. It's like, do they reveal that she's black at the end as you're going down the ride? She's We're like, by the way, the she's beginning. a black lady. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I honestly, maybe that would have been better. I, you know, just from a comedy standpoint, it would have been better. But yeah, she's a black princess in the beginning, and it's like all in New Orleans, and then you know, quickly on, she begins. She turns into a frog, and then she's a frog for so much of the movie. <laughs> so she starts off as a black lady. As a black, yeah. And then, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Then she's then they're like, we'll make her a frog. It'll be fine. 
they'll forget. And then right, white folks will forget that they have to look at a black person as a princess, and then they're just looking at a frog, a frog with a great voice. Uh, we, we, yeah. we were talking on uh, last week about third degree racism, this concept of like when companies try to do diversity initiatives, they just do it real half-assed and don't follow through and don't treat it with any of the same attention and you know, uh, intellectual firepower that they would anything having to do with profits. Uh, and I feel like that's sort of what happened to this movie. Like they just didn't, they just really half-assed it and gave it a bad release date, gave it a bad title. The marketing sucked. The They made the princess a frog for half of the fucking movie. Um, and yeah, it just... Like, I, I remember the movie coming out, but I feel like it never really, like, hit the zeitgeist, whereas, you know, people blame the fact that Avatar came out a couple weeks later for kind of swallowing it up. But Alvin and the Chipmunks, the squeakquel, uh, came out at that time, and I remember that movie, like, more than The Princess and the Frog in terms of, like, being something that happened in pop culture history. I feel like it just got kind of ignored. Well, and if we're being honest about how those uh, businesses work, Disney has a lot of money, and when they want to promote something, the world will know about it if Absolutely. they want to promote it. And if they don't, that's a decision. That that's, that decision was made in. That wasn't 100%. like, oh, Avatar did a better job, and Chipmunks yeah. did it. That's all those companies. They everything they do. There's a meeting and a decision. Yeah. There's too much money involved in all that. That's on purpose. And I'm sure they But used... the good thing is Walt Disney was just a good dude all around. Yeah. I mean, that's that is good. No evidence of any other just any anti Semitism, <laughs> nothing like good that. Good dude. Just good dude. Like like we're talking about good foundation there at Disney. Yeah. Uh just reading the the Sony email hack, like I, I just know that they've used the you know, reception of this movie a thousand times to justify not making another Disney classic with a black lead and a black filmmaker. But yeah, yep. they need to try that many more times, like effective immediately. Oh, I can, I mean, and Lacey can probably tell you too. Networks, it does, they, they have, it, any corporation has a great way of telling you why your project or whatever it just it's just not going to work right when you're like but it's kind of the same as that one that you already do and they're like nah it's different it's not <laughs> right and they yeah. have no idea everyone thinks that network executives have some kind of grasp on what's popular or what's smart or what people will like no they just fire out so much shit and hope that they get lucky and yep. that's all it is. That's why there's tons of shows that you've never seen or heard before that come and go. Pilots, all types of shit, movies, everything. And it's like they just waste a, a whole bunch of money and hope to recoup a lot of that on big, you know, hit shows and blockbusters, you know, when they get lucky. But they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Nobody If they anything. did, there'd be three shows. <laughs> uh Yeah. The did you guys read uh What's it? What's the William Golden book? Uh, I forget what it's called, but he was Adventures in the Screen Trade, where he just talks about how nobody knows anything, uh, they, and just like points out five examples of movies that they like wanted to shelve because they thought it was going to 
tank so bad when it came out and they became like, you know, iconic monstrous hits. He's just yeah. like, no, nobody in Hollywood knows anything. Don't well, the, let them tell you anything other. Think it, the same goes for SNL. Will Ferrell pitched more cowbell every episode for like three years. <laughs> and they're like, no. And then they finally threw it in and yeah. it destroyed. And it's yeah. iconic. Yes. yes. Yeah. You don't know. That's why comedy is what it is. It's right. like, that's why it takes 10 or 15 years to get really good at stand up because it takes 10 or 15 years to learn what works for you and what doesn't. Right. And they're doing yeah. all these comics a disservice throwing them out there at five to seven years in. They're mm. fucking them over because mm. they've got like a funny 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and the rest they're just grasping. And then people are like, oh, he's not funny. And you're like, he is. They just fucked him or they fucked right. her. You know right. what I mean? That's I've never understood that. Like if they, because I've noticed that in a lot of specials recently that I've watched. Like Netflix sometimes gets it right where it's like, okay, we're going to give everybody 15 or we're going to give them their tight 10 or, or sometimes even five I've seen where it's like, okay, we know that they're going to have like the hits for this short amount of time. But then sometimes it is like a whole special, like Pete Davidson special, where I was like, I think Pete Davidson's funny, but I think he got up there and did a lot of improv where you're yeah. just like, oh, what else, what else, what else, what else? <laughs> but we're like yeah. filming this and it's like 20 minutes of what else, what else, what else, what else. Else. Well, and it's so that, like, I'm sorry, dude. It's that, no, go ahead. It's that thing you were talking about where it's like they throw all, and once he got hot, they're like, oh, well, then have him do a stand up special because he's got a movie coming out and he's on this. And you're like, well, maybe he shouldn't do the stand up special yet because he's been working on all that, all that other stuff. Mm. But they're like, right. cash in, cash in. And it's hard as a performer not to be like, how much? Sure, I'll talk for an hour. I don't well, care. Well, a lot of comics have writers. I'm like, y'all couldn't hook my boy up with some some materials? Well, <laughs> well, Pete you is know. Pete because uh, you can't tell Pete what to do. So uh, that's what makes Pete wonderful. Well, guys, it has been lovely talking to you both today. Uh, Billy Wayne, where can people find you and follow you? And also, why do you have a tiger behind you? Yesterday's guests had a tiger behind her, Fizza. Now you have a tiger behind you. What's happening? I'm just in my son's room. We okay. found this at a yard sale. It's like a life-size tiger for like $20. That's awesome. Um, And, you know, we don't get to use it a lot. So I was like, this seems, <laughs> seems pretty cool. Is this what using it entails? I guess, yeah, because it just sits there and startles me sometimes when I walk into his room where I'm like, there's a cat in there. <laughs> Uh, where can uh, people find you and follow you? At if you just Google Billy Wayne Davis, any all that stuff comes up. So whatever you choose to follow, like I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all that. Uh, and I have a cannabis podcast that we're about Ooh. to start working on the second season. So there's a whole first season that you can binge on. It's called Grown Local, and mm. what it is is it's not like I do my my co-host is a world class cannabis grower out of eugene oregon and that's where we base the first season is out of eugene and it's not it's not going to be over your head and it's not two stoner it is two stoners but we're it's for people that are curious about and if you like people that's what the podcast is about is the people that make up these communities so we're trying to take that stigma away from the plant of the right. of the lazy stoner because it's just these salt of the earth wonderful human beings huh so, Cool. Grown and, local. 
Is there a uh, tweet or some other act of social media you've been enjoying? Like I, I think I'm going to call back to uh, Morgan Murphy's tweet <laughs> about about the couple that they look like they lived in the parking garage exit at the Americana. <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google those right now. Yeah. Google Americana on brand parking garage and then those people's house. It's so accurate. Uh, Lacey, it's been wonderful having you as guest co-host uh, these past two days. Where can people find you, follow you, hear you, all that stuff? Guys, you can find me as always at D-I-V-A-L-A-C-I-D-V-A-L-A-C-I on all platforms. And you can listen to my podcast if you like scams at Scam Goddess Pod on wherever you listen to your pods. Actually, it's just called Scam Goddess. Why did I say that? But uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the tweet that I have been enjoying is... This comes from Gina DePaz on Twitter, and she says, "Laying on a skinny dude's chest is like laying on the porch." <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, "Yup, yup, yup." There's uh-huh. old lazy dog underneath. It. Uh, <laughs> just bony. Mm, shout out to the skinny dude. Who knew chests have ribs? Uh, <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. A couple tweets I've been enjoying. Uh, Matt Moore tweeted, what if you put your fingers in a girl's mouth to be sexy and she just made a really loud whistle with them that called a horse over? Uh, <laughs> Brody Gupta tweeted, if I win, were an x-ray... That's win-win right there. <laughs> <laughs> Brody Gupta tweeted, if I were an x-ray technician after I took the first x-ray, I'd say, okay, now let's do a goofy one. I think people would laugh, <laughs> have a good time. And then Isabel Steckel tweeted... If not, no worries. Me sexting. <laughs> Which, uh, yeah. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnotes. We link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on. Who's got a song today? If no one has one, I have one. Lacey, do you have a song that we can write out on today? Yeah, I actually do, guys. Um, I've recently gotten to the girl band Haim. It's oh, yeah. H-A-I-M. And on their new album, Women in Music Part 3, there's a song called 3 A.M. And it's just so vibey and, like, wonderful. So mm. get into that. Get into it. Uh, we are going to ride out on that. Uh, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. We'll talk to you guys then. Bye. But it's fun to think we could Creeping in my jeans